0: Oh, there we go! I'm uh, really excited to be here today uh, to share God's word with you. Uh, I want to start just by telling you a little bit about myself and how I came to be here, uh, both so you know who it is who's talking to you, and also so that uh, well, it's going to kind of integrate some with the the message. Um, I'm entitling this is a message for uh, churches in transition. I actually I just looked at your message in your website this morning and I saw you're doing a series on transition but I didn't know that when I prepared this Uh, but I I, I do know uh, that you uh, you're in a stage of transition and I'm in a place of transition which is uh, I'm here because you're in transition but I'm here also because I'm in transition. Uh, I've been a the executive pastor of a a church in Pasadena for the past five years and uh, I I recently uh, felt the call from the Lord to move into a A position where I get to do this more, where I get to share God's word. Um, I uh, in my my last role, I you know I I did a lot of uh, organizing what was going on in the church. I did a lot of coaching of the younger staff, and I did uh, really very little teaching. And uh, I feel like uh, God has uh, been speaking to me that He wants to reverse those things in my life. And um, I know you know you you were just talking about it, and I know you're you're in this process. Uh, it's a much longer process. That's totally independent of my process. We're just here to bless each other today in uh, God's word. I'm uh, excited for the opportunity. One of the, i just really frank. One of the reasons I need to do this is I, I, I need to practice. In my last, in my last job for five years, I di- I didn't preach. Um, uh, I was uh, coaching younger staff. So when the senior pastor wasn't leading, I was putting them up there and uh, trying to give them experience and. Uh, uh, so they, that's, this is all part of my my process, what I'm doing. So I, uh, I'm a friend of a friend of Patty's, and uh, so I heard about the opportunity and reached out. So I, I'm thankful to be here. Um, uh, I've got a, this is, I wanted to show you my family there. Uh, I've got three kids. I've got a nine-year-old son and then two seven-year-old daughters. Um, so uh, they are a ton of fun. Uh, I was, I, th- 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 those first two years with the twins was crazy. <laughs> Um, uh, but now, uh, well, it was a lot of fun then. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, so we, we, we were traveling, uh, j- just a few weeks ago, and we, and we were just like, oh my gosh, this is so easy now. <laughs> like, they dragged their own, bear, you know, because the last time we flew, they were really little, you know, and so, um, uh, uh my wife is, ca- uh, uh, Korean American, and, uh, I'm uh, blessed to be part of a, a multi-ethnic family. Um, you know, we did this, uh, we were on this... This journey together, and you know, it, it, it feels like a risk. I, I left my job uh, for the uh, the call award, and you know, I've um, you know, I've I've had my moments of faith, and I've had my moments of anxiety uh, in the midst of that. And uh, it's been good for my family. It's like, well, now now all the kids are praying about it too, because uh, it's really uh, uh, it's really tra- uh, really tangible for them. It's like we're not gonna go there anymore. Uh, uh, my son was, uh, we were missionaries. Um, my wife and I were missionaries for six years in India. Uh, my son came back when he was three and a half, so he remembers that. So my, my girls were 18 months old, so they don't, this is re- that was the only church they knew. But it's, you know, uh, it's a big transition for them. So they are uh, they're on this journey of faith with us, and so we've been uh, praying. And, um, you know, in the, midst, in the midst of that, God has done just all sorts of things in the midst of the transition, to just encourage me and speak to me. And I hope that uh, he has been doing that uh, for you in the midst of your transition. I, I also know that sort of in the midst of my transition, I'm listening harder uh, for uh, for what God is saying. Um, I, uh, uh, I'm i really here, uh, as I'm going to share, I'm gonna share more part of my story, because as God has been speaking to me in transition, I think there's some things that apply to a church that's in transition, too. And uh, that's... Uh, you know, uh, part of my story, but I just feel like we're sort of in uh, similar transitions that I was praying. I just felt like, um, oh, I, mean, I you know, I could have given a sermon on God's love. I gave, uh, I, I was guest preaching somewhere else. I was like, oh, I could use that sermon again. But um, uh, but I, I was really like, oh, no, I, I think God wants to give a message sort of about transition. And I was like, well, I'm in transition. I got a lot to say about that. Um, so I, uh, uh, one of the the scriptures that God has been speaking to me recently uh, about my transition is the book of the prophet Haggai and um, you know obscure little book don't just two chapters long you can just you want to you want to knock out a book of the Bible you read Haggai I read I read an entire book of the Bible today Um, so but I want to be clear so you know Haggai has some what could be interpreted as harsh words, and I did not receive a word from the Lord that this is what God is saying to this church. Um, the, God has been using it to speak to me and really encourage me, and I, I hope that it uh, does for you. Um, the uh, I just hope it encourages you in similar, uh, similar ways. You know, how I ended up reading it was it was right at the beginning where I had made the decision uh, to leave my job, and you know, I was feeling anxious. I'm like, God, speak to me. And every morning, my my uh, uh, family, we do well, family FaceTime. That's what I call our family devotions, FaceTime with God. And we, uh, uh, we get there, and we had just, I can't remember what book we had finished, but we read. My girls are old enough to read now, so that now our routine is everybody reads a verse, and so we do this devotion, about four verses a day or five, depending on uh, the break. And I'm like, well, what should we read now? And my son, who i you know, who, who hears from the Lord. My son goes, the 37th book of the Bible. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> 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 I don't know. He's got this big, one. so why? So we counted, and it brought us to Haggai. And uh, so we started reading. And just in that first section, I was just like, oh, my gosh. God, is, he, he gave me this scripture today for me. And, uh, then there were, and then there was another one. It was like after that, and it was like, God has just really uh, spoken to me for it. Um, So it's really, it's been a timely word for me, but not one that came from my, I do have a seminary degree or years of uh, uh, Bible study, Um, it was just uh, God's gift. So uh, let's dig into it, if you can, I'm going to put it up there on the screen in a minute, Um, but as you, if if you get it out, we're just going to look at chapter one today, uh, 15 verses. Uh, I just want to say a little bit about the uh, context that Haggai is speaking into. It's, uh, uh, well, it's easy to forget. Like, where does he fit in uh, all of the prophets? Um, so I'm going to start with uh, a little bit of the bigger picture of Israel. You know, uh, Israel, for uh, what is it? a couple hundred years, the prophets had been warning Israel because of their idolatry and their injustice. So it's how they treat God and how they treat each other. That if they don't start following God in those things, he is going to send Babylon to come take them out. And um, in 587, it happened. Jerusalem is destroyed. They haul Israel off into captivity to Babylon. And uh, the word of the prophets came true. Uh, But the prophets also, during that time, they prophesied hope that after this time of exile, God is going to restore Israel. He's going to bring them back and that a purifying people would again live with God in Jerusalem. And the uh, prophet said that this exile is going to happen uh, for 70 years. Um, you know, as that time was approaching, there were a lot of ways things you know looked hopeless. You are slaves. You are cheap labor. You are <laughs> in Babylon. Who is going to let you go? Um, but... Uh, I did a lot of amazing things, but I, one of the things it was is the Babylonians got, the Babylonians got conquered by the Persian Empire. Now there's new leaders, and they started letting the Israelites go back. And um, a group of Israelites led by a, game, a guy named Zerubbabel, who is a, of the line of David, so he's a, of the royal line, and a high priest named Joshua, uh, or Jeshua, depending on your translation. They return with a bunch of the exiles to Israel. Uh, and uh, if you wanted a longer historical narrative of this, and we're not going to cover it, you could read Ezra chapter 1 to 6. So that's, that's where the story is happening that I, uh, I, I've, uh, I'm summarizing. Um, so the, you know, things are hopeful now. The prophecies about this restoration are coming true. Good things, right? They are back. Um, and uh, Haggai then comes in the scene as a prophet during this time of restoration. They've come back to Jerusalem. It's now in Jerusalem, they're taken to exile, 587. This is about 520 BC. And he speaks to the people led by Zerubbabel and Joshua. So that, that's the context. Okay? So. Uh, we're going to read verse one. It's in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And this is the intro to the book. Uh, I just want to, us to observe a couple of details. One is is that. Uh, Haggai, it says Haggai the prophet, but he wasn't, you know, these other two guys, one is basically the king or governor, Uh, he's the governor but of the royal line, and the other is the high priest, but Haggai was just a guy who heard from the Lord, he didn't have a position in there, he was just a man who heard from the Lord. And then the the second is, is that there's all these details about time, um, but that's because this was a specific word to a specific group of people. It's not just principles for any time. That he was coming at a specific time and saying these things to them. There's going to be principles that we can draw and pull in for our uh, situation. But God came in the time when these people needed it and spoke to them. Also want to point out that he comes here and he doesn't like stand up in the public square and denounce the leaders, or say, or say they're doing something wrong. He just comes to the leaders and gives them this word. And I think he's, just, he's doing that because he wants to give them a chance as leaders to lead and to do that. So that's, that's the intro in verse 1. Let's go ahead and we're going to look at verses uh, 2 to 11 now. We're going to sort of look at it as a whole, but then I'm also going to break it down. So let's go ahead and read it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people s- say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Do, Do the next one. The next slide, next slide. There we go. Uh, I couldn't fit it all into one slide. The text would be too small. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the on the grain and the new wine, the oil and on the ground, and what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and all of their labors. Now, like I said, it's a little bit of a harsh word, but again, Haggai says this in private to the leaders. Um, and I'm going to sort of summarize what he says. The Haggai says um, basically three things. And now you got to remember, these people, they're in the middle of a massive rebuilding project. They have come back to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was flattened, and the temple was flattened, right? So they've got a lot to do, and it's, it's a relatively... Uh, a small group of people, and they've got to manage food, and they've got to eat. They've got to house people. Uh, if you read Ezra, they've got some defense concerns, uh, you know, and religious services. They've got a lot to manage. Where do they start? You know, and these are the leaders, but they're also any group. They're leading a lot of people. With there are people in there who have their own opinions. Um, you know, they, they are, you know, leaders of families in the exiles, uh, uh, leaders of the different tribes. And so there's this debate about what to do next. What, what should we focus on? All of this rebuilding, what should we focus on? And so God sends this word to the leaders to give them clarity. You know, because people are saying, because, it, you know, as it says, it says, if you go back to um, the, the previous slide, it says, these people say, the time is not right, right? So the, the people of Israel, they were not feeling like, hey, we want to jump into this big rebuilding project of the temple. Comes the leaders, and he's saying, hey, now is the time. Um, so Haggai tells them basically three things. The first thing uh, is he points out they've got a problem in their priorities. They're worried about making not just shelter, but like really nice paneled houses for them, you know. Uh, we think of, you know, paneling and drywall as sort of standard there. That was a, like, that was a technological, you're, you're at the sort of top end if you've got, you know, wood paneling in your house, right? And so they are, um, they are focusing a lot sort of, hey, we are building a lot of wealth here, not thinking about the house of the Lord. So he says, hey, where are your priorities? That's the first thing he does then the s- second thing he points out is, is that you're building these panels ha- panelled houses but how are things going for you right you are planting much but sowing little right things aren't you know you're expecting i mean this is supposed to be a land flowing with milk and honey but you're having tr- you're having trouble producing enough to, to get enough food how's it going for you so he is helping them to interpret Uh, What's going on? Um, It says they don't have the blessing of God on their labor because they're not rebuilding the temple. In fact, it says not just that they don't have the blessing of God, it says God came and blew it away. He blew it away. See, God is actively working to show them that if they try to be Israel, if they try to be the people of God, without putting God first, it's not going to work. He's not going to let them live with the illusion that they can be the people of God, but not put God first. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I want to do a little side here. Because there are times in our lives when things are just not going the way we want. Right? We are not experiencing abundance. But this is a specific word for a specific time where he was saying, hey, things aren't going well for you, and it is because of this. But that does not mean that every time things are not going well for us, it's because we are not being faithful. We do not want to, you know, oh, man, things aren't going well, I'm not being faithful. This is what God is saying to them there, but it is not necessarily true. It's something we go to say, hey, things aren't going well here. God, what's going on? We go to God. We ask him the question. Sometimes it's a test we need to pass. Sometimes he is building our character sometimes he wants us to be able to uh, take our experience and bless bless other people with it sometimes he is trying to say something about us say something to us about our faithfulness all of those things could be true that's what's true in this place but I don't want us to think that that is um, always the case and you think of in the book of Job job the righteous man everything goes bad right um, I think of many faithful people who have you know, suffered sickness, um, death in the family, and it's not because God is judging them because they're doing something wrong. Um, This is a specific word for a time. Uh, The third thing he tells them here is build the temple. I want you to start putting your hand to to rebuilding the temple. Now, as I read this, I just felt like, um, the Lord was speaking to me. I, you know, I, we read this as a family, and, and the kids are like, so what's going on? <laughs> what's happening? And I said, well, the way I summarize it is I started talking. I started, I started to repeat the words of Jesus. I said, well, what he's really saying is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I says, Jesus talks about this. That's what he's saying to me. He's like, if you seek me first, all of these things that you're worrying about, this harvest and having enough food and the rain coming, all of those things are going to be taken care of. See, that was speaking to me because, you know, I was getting worried about really practical things. Um, now, Haggai says it. He says it in the negative. If you don't seed God's kingdom, <laughs> then you're going to have problems. Um you are going to struggle. But the truth still holds. If we seek first the kingdom of God as righteousness, all these things are going to be added to us. I think we, you as a church, we as all people of God we are in this transition, if we see God first, he is going to take care of all of those practical details. You know, I was anxious about the future. I'm I got some savings. I'm not in immediate danger, but it's like, hey, you know, at some point, I like, am I going to be? I have to lose my house, you know. Uh, what's going to happen? Um, am I going to be? Uh, am I going to be successful? I'm. I'm out of a job now. Am I going to be able to find another job? I, you know, I was feeling worried. Um, God was saying, "Don't worry about your household. I've got you. I've got you." speaking at a specific time, coming to me uh, in my need, and speaking to my heart. He says, put my kingdom first, and I'll take care of all of those details. So the way you run into trouble, with all your practical needs, actually, is to not put God first. That is going to get us running into trouble. Seek me first, and I will take care of you. Now, I do want to uh, point out that in the midst of this is they're seeking him. You know, what outcome are they seeking? They, they're seeking the blessing of God. See, because God had told them that the people of Israel, they're supposed to come to this land, and it is flowing with milk and honey. It is it is a very practical abundance. You are going to have um, vineyards that other people planted, you know, planting a vineyard, that's a lot of work. It takes time to grow. It's like, hey, no, you're gonna come in to things that are already planted. And so they're seeking the blessing of God that God wants to have them, that God has promised. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's just how do you get there? You just gotta put God first. See, God has promised them all those things. I mean, they think the when the prophets they prophesied, they prophesied they're going to you know restore Israel, and so they think of you know the time of King David, the time of King uh, Solomon, where they were tremendously wealthy and prosperous. They uh, with King Solomon's time, they had peace in the land. Uh, uh, different nations came to them to learn about God. Uh, those are the kind of things. That they looked back on, but it was also the kind of things that the prophets were foretelling. They say This is going to be this time of blessing. Of course, the prophets also foretold the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah, who would take away sin and would set up a kingdom that reigns forever, and all of the nations would come to them. So they're looking forward to this blessing, but in the midst of seeking that blessing, they've forgotten to put God's first. See, God wants to give us, he wants to give us good things. We just need to put ourselves in the position to receive them by fixing our eyes on him. Living righteously with each other. Loving the Lord. Now, I also want to uh, comment, he's saying, I want you to go build the temple. Now, why does he want him to build the temple? No, it seems a little obvious, but I want to uh, unpack it a little. See, because God doesn't need a house. Yeah, he has one us. I mean, this is it? God is spirit, and he is everywhere. So he isn't going to fit in there anyway, right? He doesn't need a house. And um, he also, even though we need a place of worship, he doesn't need laborers to stack stones. He could make it. Appear out of nothing, right? What he wants to do is he wants to form and transform the people through the process of them prioritizing worship. He wants to work in their hearts. He wants to work in their lives. He wants them working together as a people, being the people of God, to prioritize worship. I mean, let's look at the big picture. You know, Israel kicked into exile because of their idolatry and injustice. During the seventy years of captivity, God does an amazing work of trans uh, transformation. After the exile, uh, Israel doesn't. You Notice know, I learned this in seminary. After the exile, Israel stops falling into idolatry. You know that was the the pattern. If you you, you read through. Uh, you know, Judges and 1st, uh, uh, 2nd Samuel, Kings, that Israel, the kings after, uh, uh, well, after David, really, they just, they kept going back into worshiping other gods. After the exile, now we know we get to the time of Jesus, they were having a lot of problems, but they were not following other gods, right? He does this work of trans- uh, transformation. And God said that he'd bring back a, a transformed people. You think if you are familiar with, Uh, with the story of daniel here's this guy way from jerusalem way from the temple and he is just this rock of faithfulness under tremendous pressure to follow other gods and he won't do it even at risk of his own life this is the kind of work um, that god has done and that um, god wants that kind of transformation to be the result for the new Israel, a transformed people, and they're going to have a fresh start. Mm -hmm. He wants a people who will be faithful to him and a light to all nations. But Israel's come back and gotten taken up in just the practical aspects of this rebuild project. And they've not put worship at the center of their lives. So if Israel is going to realize their role in being the people of God, They've got to organize their lives around worship. When they put worship first in their lives, they're going to be able to live the righteous lives that will lead to the blessings that God wants to give them. God promises each and every one of us tremendous blessings if we'll follow him. It's not bad to want those blessings. It's good to want those blessings. But we have to listen to the word of the Lord and obey. Now, the Lord comes with this word to Haggai and speaks, and I think it does a couple of things. One is, is just I mean, simply, He is helping them interpret the reality around them, right? You know, you've got drought, you've got lack of rain. You know, people are trying to save up money, but it seems to be going nowhere. You want to understand the spiritual dimension behind that. Um, It gives them clarity. Gives them spiritual insight into what's really happening. And I think for the leaders, what that does is it gives them confidence to make the right move. You know, the people are saying one thing. You have all these different opinions. How do we, how do we actually sort of take the plunge? Because, you know, what we do next is it's going to determine the trajectory, you know, for the next five or ten years. They hear the word of the Lord and it gives them the confidence to do the right thing. He's empowering the leaders to make the right decision. So, they start working. Let's do the next slide. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people. With the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. They, they respond. God spoke to uh, Joshua and Zerubbabel. They speak to the people. The people uh, start working. And then that's when Haggai comes and speaks to all the people and says, Hey, God is with you. God is with you in this. And the, the next slide. The chapter concludes with this. Verse 14 and 15. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year, of Darius the king. So it gives a date. So again, uh, this is really rooted in history. And I think this chapter uh, starts, it has a little bit of contrast because it says, you know, okay, the people obey, right? But I think it's intentionally added here that the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel. That he stirred up uh, the governor, the high priest, and the people. So I mean, because there's a very much it's like, hey, we read God's word, we hear God's word, and then we do something. Um, but he wants to make it clear it's not just people resp- responding to words that God has initiated this. It wasn't the people's idea at this point, obviously. It was God's. So if you you know in verse. Um, 11 and 12, 12 and 13, it's like, hey, this is what the people did. And then uh, in, excuse me, 10 and 11 is what the people did. No, 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 go forward. One more. Yeah. and 12 and 13, it's, hey, this is what the people did. And then in 14 and 15, it's like, here's the spiritual interpretation. God was stirring them up. God stirred this up. He's the one who stirred up their spirit. Now, I don't know whether you've experienced this. Those times when you're responding to the Lord, you're uh, trying to faithfully respond to the situations that are going around with you. And then when you look back, you look back you say, oh, God stirred that up. God did that. You know, at the time, you're, just, you're, you're trying to do what seems like the right thing in the Lord. But then when you look back, you think, oh, God stirred up this process. Uh, each step of the way, sometimes it seems like it could be a really human process. But then when you look back, you say, oh, God, God was present. See, this is, I mean, this is what we all want, right? You want to, when you get through this transition, you want to be able to look back and say, hey, God stirred this up. <laughs> God did this. Uh, not just, you know, you're going to have uh, different committees and different groups of people. There's a lot of uh, uh, decisions to make. But you want to look back and say, hey, God stirred us up and God brought us to this point. And that's what I do. I, you know, when I, I, I'm praying, it's like I got this list of things, you know, things I'm looking for and things I'm praying for and things I'm asking God for. What do I want? But it's like, hey, there's only one thing I really want. It's like I want to know that God called me there. Because if all of those other things aren't there, if I know God called me there, I know he's going to work it out. Right? And I also know that I'm probably not going to get all of those things on my list. Right? I'm not going to get them all. So I'm going to, I don't want to be doubting well, I, did, I get? I didn't get that, uh, you know, it's not this, so am I making the right decision? No, I just, there's one thing I want. I want to know that God called me there. And that's, that's what you want. You want to look back and say, hey, God did this. So the the question is, is, how do we get there? How do we get to that point? And um, I think it's simple. I think uh, the first is you just you listen for the voice of the Lord. Just you know, keep listening to the voice of the Lord. Keep seeking Him. Keep expecting Him to speak. Maybe He's going to speak through other people. Maybe He's going to speak through you to other people. But just humbly, just keep listening for the Lord, and He's going to speak. You know, here I am, I, I, like me, I, I, I'm doing my family devotions with my kids, and I'm trying to make it really simple, right? And God is speaking to me about my future, <laughs> you know? He can do it anytime, but we just, we just got to be listening for his spirit. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, it has been for me, uh, and it certainly was for Israel, it meant sort of taking, um, well, a hard look at yourself, an honest look at yourself, sometimes it it involves that, hey, we you know what does God said um, uh but sometimes I think it comes to with surprising encouragement, um because I mean you think about it. this this could be really you think of as word really a word of criticism, you know, you guys are off building your houses, right um, but I really think it's a word of encouragement from the Lord, see because I think they're off building their house, but I think part of it is, is like, man, building a temple, that's intimidating. That is a big project. Can we do this? You know, can we dream big? Can we really be that Israel that was foretold? And I think, I think part of the reason they're building their houses is because they're, they're kind of scared to do it. See, I think God believes that they can do much more. They can be much more. Mm-hmm. they can do much more than they ever thought. I think one of the things that um, has been speaking to me is that I feel like, you know, I was in this, you know, I was in this nice, safe job. I had a nice title. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I, there's a lot of great things about my job. and uh, I mean, One of the things I didn't like is I didn't get to do this, but also it's kind of like you don't have so this big pressure thing where everybody's looking at you once a week, too, you know? Um, uh, it, it, there were lots of ways. It w- uh, it was comfortable. Um, but one of the things God's been saying to me is, is, "Hey, don't limit your dreams about what can happen. Uh, just listen to God." He says, "I believe that you, you as a church, you can do more than you think you can. You can do more in the Lord than you think you can." Um, that was the message to the Israelites. It wasn't like, oh. You idolatrous slobs, you are doing it wrong. It's like, no, you can rebuild God's temple. That's a word of encouragement to them. So that's the first: is listen for the Lord, listen for those words of encouragement. Uh, second is, is you know, just take it step by step. Um, I, you know, I went actually in the space of like three or four days. Just I was just asking the question, God, what, you know, what do you want me to do? Um, I, I was feeling some uh, unease about my current role and I was just seeking the Lord about that. And uh, uh, I'd we'd taken a couple of days off because it was the kids' spring break. We got an Airbnb. We went out to Joshua Tree. But it was just extra time for me to pray in the midst of all of that. Um, and uh, it was just harder, you know, when you're you're sitting there in the church office to pray about your job in the church office. Um, <coughs> it was just a little easier at Joshua Tree. And... Uh, and then, you know, just sort of step by step, God started speaking to me about the much longer journey that I had been on, not so much the, you know, what was going on at, uh, in the church office, and the things that he wanted to do to me. And so it was just a very um, step-by-step process. You know, it says, um, you know, in the verse 1, it says it was on the first day of the sixth month, right? Now, in the end, it tells us it's on the 24th day of the sixth month. So three weeks, three days right? before they started working. Right? So it, it doesn't have all the detail, but it, it was a step-by-step process to get all of these people on board. Now, man, with a group that big to make a decision in three weeks and three days, that is super fast, right, right, right? You know, it's going to take us all like months to make these decisions we've got. But it was still, I think it was a, it was a step-by-step. It was not just immediate, a step-by-step process. Um, And the other thing is just, you know, don't be, don't be intimidated by big things. You can do more in the Lord that you think. Uh, look for the encouraging word. God has created his church to be his glorious bride. God has created this church to be his glorious bride. The, uh, the plan, it says in Ephesians 2, we've got to, should be a click on that and you'll get a scripture. Paul, well, we lost him. There we go. Oh, yeah. Go back to that orange button. Yeah. The plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, through you, the manifold wisdom of God might, be, might now be made known to the ruler's authorities in the heavenly places. See, God wants to show on a spiritual level that he is wise. And how is he going to do it? Through the church. He's going to show he's wise to all the angels and stuff through the church. God wants us to do um, great things. So we shouldn't be intimidated by a big rebuilding project. Um, And then the fourth one, work together as a body. That's what you see the Israelites doing, right? They got the leaders. They got everybody um, putting their hands into the rebuilding project. Um, God used leaders, um, but as I said at the beginning, Haggai wasn't a guy at the start with a high position, He was just someone who had the word of the Lord, um, and, you know, maybe like my nine-year-old son, <laughs> didn't know it, he had the word of the Lord, that we're supposed to read the 37th book of the Bible. You may not even, he didn't know, he didn't know what that word meant, you know, he didn't know what that word meant, but it was the word of the Lord. So, because when we look back on this process, what do we want to say? Don't you want to say that we saw the hand of God, that we listened to the word of the Lord, and he spoke and he guided us, He gave us what we need? We want to know that we've listened to and obeyed, and in places where we've messed up, that we've asked for and received forgiveness, It's not like everything is going to be perfect, we want to know that we've listened to and obeyed, See, whatever decision we make, it's going to set the tone, you know, for the next five or ten years. It's a big decision. We want to know that we've heard it from the Lord. If you hear the Lord speak, then you'll be able to move forward with confidence. You'll be able to take those risks. If you hear the Lord speak, you'll be able to move forward with confidence. Things may still not go the way you expected. All right? But you'll know that you're on the right track because God has brought you there. So, the worship team, to come back up, we're just going to take some time to respond in prayer because this is, you know, this is a phase in this church, and it is a phase, I mean, each of us is in a phase in our lives, too. Right? So as we look back in this phase in our lives, you know, I'm a parent of young children. It's like, what do we want to say? It's like, hey, I want to say that I heard the Lord. I saw him work. And so I want to be able to say, hey, I took it you know, step by step and followed him to where he has taken me. And so in the different places uh, where we're at, we just want to take that and say, hey, hey what's, what's the Lord saying? Or you know, maybe it's place. hey, am I really listening? Am I expecting him to speak to me? Or am I just sort of, you know, in a routine <laughs> of doing the religious things I do? Um, am I listening for the Lord and obeying? And then to just believe, hey, we can do much more in the Lord than we think we can. So let's go for it. Let's say, hey, God is saying rebuild the temple. Let's go for it. Let's have faith in him. Let's pray. Let's seek his voice, and let's go. And then I just think that um, uh, I felt like as I was praying and just for this, this, this prayer time, you know, I, there, there is something about being together as a body. And the things that we've been praying for and praying for uh, um, maybe for a long time, that when we bring them to the body, there's something powerful about being together. God wants to answer prayers, so we want to just put our faith together in him, and that is part of um, both believing for big things and then working together as a body. So uh, let me pray for us, and then I'm going to leave it to the team to take it away and to guide the, uh, the response uh, and prayer time, uh, but I just encourage you to just listen to the voice of the Lord and then expect Expect good things from God. That he wants to bless us. He wants to reveal his wisdom and purpose through his church. So let's pray. Father God, uh, we just thank you. We want to hear your voice. We thank you that by your spirit that you are present here. And Father, each and every one of us, we need to hear your voice. We need to be encouraged by you. We need to be set on a straight path. We need to be uh, drawn into love for you and love for each other and love for the lost people. Lord Jesus, I just pray uh, that you would be uh, guiding us in all of our different transitions in the phases of life that we are in to just listen to your voice and obey. And to look at the challenges that face us and know that you want to do great things, and we put our faith in you. So thank you, Lord, this morning. I'm so sorry. <laughs> thank you, Lord, this morning, that you are here and you are present. Tell me, I'm done. <laughs> we thank you that you are here. And we pray that your spirit would just come and continue to minister to us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are welcome.